Oh, well, thank you. Good evening again, everybody. Two people have prophesied that I'm going to explain what the role of president is, so I better start there. So we're a grouping of 2,000 Baptist churches that group together under the label Baptist Union of Great Britain, and they have this role where you play a role for the denomination it gets voted for. There's one up for prayerful consideration at the moment for the next two people uh, standing for it. If you're up for it, your churches, two or three churches represented here, you get a vote, and ministers, you get a vote. Um, to, to consider it. It's a prayerful consideration thing. And we just felt a kind of burden. Um, I, Ed was in a group with me uh, thinking this through of churches thinking we have a burden for the current state of play. Not that everything's bad, but that overall, if you just look at the numbers of where our churches are going to be in a generation, it's a little bit alarming. There's some really good stories, there's some real growth stories. But actually, it, it won't be overall growth unless the Lord returns or unless there's revival, both of which I believe in. But short of that, we're, we're in to, for some sticky situations. So we just thought, well, can any of us offer some time for this role of president where you get to bring a voice, you get to bring a challenge, you get to bring a message. So my message is, uh, where do we grow from here? And I was prayerfully um, elected in, and so we're going to look at that uh, this evening, and each time I bring it, I bring a different subtitle. And this evening, convinced and compelled, which comes from a particular uh, Bible passage. I'll read that Bible passage, then we'll look at the theme, and then we'll get into it, and hopefully see if this relates to us and if we respond. So, convinced and compelled, and it comes from this one verse in Corinthians, uh, two Corinthians five and verse fourteen. But I'll read from verse eleven uh, down to sixteen. And then you can pick up 14 on the screen when I get there. So Paul says this, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope is also plain to your, your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen, rather than what is in the heart. If we're out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It's really great to just be sharing a few thoughts with you on this, and particularly that theme of being convinced and compelled. <clears throat> so, if we're going to answer a question like, where do we go from here? It comes down to lots of us accepting the call of God on our, our lives and being convinced and compelled people. Imagine my theme for a moment. Imagine in my head, you see, there's this prayer for Lane that as many individuals and as many churches as possible would pray, Lord, where do we go from here? Imagine we did that and then we, we looked at the word we as we prayed and we said, okay, so what about us, Lord? Where do we grow from here? In a sense, if we did that, then our job is done, Sue and I. If we get as many people as be up for that, yeah, we're in, then where God takes that is up to him. That'd be great. It's just a good question to ask, believing that God wants his church to grow. That's why Paul went to Corinth in the first place. He was scared going there, he says in 1 Corinthians. He went fearful, but he went anyway, and the church grew. Imagine that a number of us then looking a little bit more closely at the word here when we're praying, and just say. So where is here? What's the current situation 
in our churches, in our city, in our towns, our villages, in our nation. And looked at the challenges that there are and looked at the opportunities. That would be a good thing to do and spend a bit of time on because we can be so busy filling our time with other things. Imagine we then looked at the word growth and said, okay, God, you do growth, we don't. But please help us um, look, seek real growth, not just transfer growth, not just people coming from another church where they would have been doing all right anyway, but, but fruitful growth, healthy growth. And let it start with us and let it reach out to others such that it does include the sort of growth where people come into his kingdom as well as us just growing in knowledge and, and, and Christ-likeness ourselves. And then let's look at where. Where might we see some growth in that story? When we've done that, one key place to start in where, it might not be the place you would choose, is not the next brilliant programme that the church down the road is doing. The place to start is with us. We've travelled around all the 13 different associations. We've seen the good news stories that get written in magazines and all of that stuff. And I have to tell you, don't wait for that. Because it's not where the answers are, generally. There'll be some things we can learn. It won't be a cut and paste learn. It'll be a fit it around your context learn. But the answer will come from each of us as individuals, accepting the call of God on our lives. And in order to do that, we need to be people who accept that we're disciples when we're not gathered and when we're scattered wherever we are. A place like this on a Sunday evening encounter is brilliant if it then equips us for where we are in the rest of the week. So I'm going to work for an organisation called LICC, the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. The guy who heads that up is a guy called Mark Green. And he says this about us all being equipped. The UK will never be reached until we create open, authentic, learning and praying communities. That's what we're trying to do here on an evening. And your churches too, if you're from somewhere else. That are focused on growing whole life disciples who live and share the gospel wherever they are wherever they are. And so we say this as we're going around, we'll never get anywhere until we equip our people for their everywhere, for wherever they find themselves. If that's the case, then where that, what that looks like for us right now this evening, within this passage and this verse, is that we need to be individual people who, who are convinced and compelled. What Paul says is in a slightly different order. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced. But the word because changes the order, if you follow me. You have to be convinced of who Jesus is, what he's done for us. And when you're convinced, that compels you and kind of drives you out. I was in a prayer meeting a little while ago in my own church. I do go to them. And I was in that prayer meeting and somebody prayed about being compelled by the love of Jesus. And I thought, oh, that's good. Where's that from? And I looked it up and it's from this verse. And, and the, the person is compelled by the love of Jesus. Paul's compelled by the love of Jesus because he's convinced. And, and so even though he's convinced, he's prepared to go out. He's prepared to go out in a place that he finds scary, like I said, and in a place where he's not necessarily being represented that well. If we are out of our mind, it says in that reading, as some say. So some people are saying he's just lost it to be following this Jesus thing and to be promoting Jesus in the way that he is in this second biggest city around it's scary out there scattered on our own it was scary for Paul but he can't help but do it because he is convinced 
we all have to get to a place where we're convinced and compelled. If you look at the Gospels, particularly Matthew, Mark and Luke, the pivotal point in them is where Jesus asked them, the disciples, who do who's everybody else say that I am? And then who, who do you say that I am? And the thing about that is this. Jesus takes them away from where it would be politically dangerous straight away to say who, who he is, where they, they could be killed straight away for recognising he's the Messiah. But he also takes them um, to a place where there are other options around. Takes them to the area of Caesarea Philippi where there's a mountain range where they're standing, if you look at the sum total of the Gospels, where there's worship to the God of Pan, God Pan, where there's a temple to Caesar. So there's other options around. They can see why he's asking this question. And then he says, so what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter gets closer than anybody else and Jesus endorses that and builds the future of his church based on people affirming him as much as they possibly can at that starting point. The point is this, people have a choice and within that choice, they're taking their best judgment of what they are convinced about Jesus. So we're convinced and compelled. What does it look like? For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. It looks like making a careful choice and being convinced. The word convinced is a legal word, but it doesn't mean certain. I was talking to the young people about this. You can have some doubts, that's okay, but it means where you firmly place your faith, taking a choice. When I think of choice, I think of ice cream. And I think of those gelato shops. Have you got one in battle, like a trendy gelato shop, are they? No. We have in Chichester. No, we, have, we went out of business, actually. We have them in Chichester. But you probably got them in Hastings, have you? Or Yeah, okay. So um, gelato shops are really trendy these days. This one, if you're ever in Derby, not that you would be, it's a long way, but this ice cream shop is uh, run by a friend of mine who's a Baptist minister. And it's, he's running an ice cream shop in order to uh, train and re-employ trafficked people. So when they've rescued trafficked people, the charities, they need some way of being employed. And so they're training them in um, how to work in a shop in the centre of Derby Market. It's called Just Ice, which is a great name, isn't it? As in Justice. And so they're training these, um, training these people. So if you ever go there, um, you know, buy a double because you're helping twice as many people. That's just the maths. Uh, that's the view I, that, view that I take and imagine that you've got a queue now imagine it's not winter, it's summer and you're in Hastings and there's a gelato shop uh, there's always a queue in those sort of places and we react differently in those sort of places don't we, so some people they queue and they queue and they queue and they queue they get to the front of the queue and only then do they begin to make their choice I don't understand that <laughs> I find that hugely frustrating Like, why were they not deciding earlier when we were all just waiting. It's like, and they've got no kind of conscious awareness of what they've just been doing, everybody else queuing. That is ridiculous to me. Other people, they queue and they queue and they queue and they queue, and then they pick vanilla. I don't understand that either. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Others of us, and I would lean towards this myself, although I don't think it's on the menu. Actually, I know why it's not on the menu. Um, they, they, uh, if it's on the menu, if rum and raisin is there, that's what I would go for. Yes, yes, okay. Excellent. Let's hear it from Rum and Razor. There's a church split right there. So, um, and actually, because this company, Just Ice, only use like real ingredients, um, they got in trouble with trading standards for rum and raisin because it was like above the percentage allowed without a license. So, 
Um, it was in all the national press and everything, so I think they've been allowed it now. But anyway, I, di- I diverge a, bit, a little bit from the main theme. The point is, what um, convinced means is you have a choice and you make that choice because you have to make a choice and you have to kind of live by it. And in terms of Jesus, that's so much more important than, than making an ice cream choice. So my question to you is, when we're not here gathered, why are you convinced? Why are you convinced that this Jesus thing is real when we've not, not got the collective kind of power and encouragement that there is together? Because you need that when it's scary out there, just as Paul needed it when he was in Corinth. Now, I had a go at a list with the young people. This may be the same list or it may be different, but let's see. Because <clears throat> I'm convinced for so many reasons, even though convinced doesn't necessarily mean certain. I'm convinced because I look at the world outside when it's not dark and I see evidence of a creator and a creative designer at that. I've heard some of the arguments for it happening by chance and I find those less convincing and compelling than there being a creative designer. I'm convinced because as a minister I have the privilege of being with people at the very end of their lives. And when I do so, I'm convinced that that's not it that there is more and that that more is forever I'm convinced as well because I get to sometimes be with people soon after new life has come into the world there's a new baby and when I see a new baby I think there's more than the sum of the wriggling parts there there's a soul I'm convinced most of all because of Jesus and because his words have lasted the test of time and they work across cultures so my family came to faith in from Sri Lanka right and, and Jesus' teaching works just as well over there and anywhere else in the world as it does here in battle. And I know of no other teaching like that. You know, ask Rita in the places that she's been, in, in, anywhere, Afghanistan, Turkey, anywhere, and, and the teaching works. My family were Hindu and they came to faith in a time of revival in Sri Lanka. And our name was changed at that, at that point. That's where we get the name Benjamin from. So at the time that pretty much my dad's whole village came to faith, my grandfather was baptised. And on the occasion of his baptism, they changed his name, choosing a name pretty much randomly out of the Bible, from Murugesu to just picking a name at random, Benjamin. And I think I came off relatively well there, <laughs> given some of the options that they, they could have chosen. But I'm I'm convinced because it works across cultures. I'm convinced because I've looked as best I can at the evidence for the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and I find it compelling. I'm convinced because those first followers of Jesus believed in it. So much so that they were prepared to stake their lives on it. Why would you stake your life on it if you weren't certain? So I find that compelling too. I'm convinced because I see the difference that being a person of faith and finding faith makes in somebody's life when they become a Christian. I see the relief in them and the difference. I'm convinced because I don't think I'm a good person, but I think I'm a better person than I would be without Jesus. I'm convinced because of the difference the Holy Spirit still makes in people's lives. I'm convinced because I have no moral frame of reference to say one thing is right and another thing is wrong without a moral starting point, and that starting point is Jesus. You may have your own reasons, but you need reasons to be convinced and compelled. Because if we're going to ask the question, where do we go from here, 
it starts with us being compelled out there. And we're only compelled if we're convinced. So if the word convinced is a judgment call, like that, the word compelled, it means to be held in, in Greek. But not in a bad way. It only appears twice in the New Testament, this word. And the other time it appears, it isn't such a good um, analogy. It's not terrible. But when Jesus is um, pressed in by the crowd, that's the same word. On this occasion, we're pressed in in the sense that this thing holds us together such that we can't help but be who we are telling other people about it. Now, imagine we are people convinced and compelled. What does that look like in our world? Here's one simple analogy, and it'll probably use most of our time and then I'll add a few thoughts to close. This isn't a perfect analogy, but I think you you can think of your world as having four different tables. You might not have literal tables, but you might. And we should be people who are convinced and compelled, recognising God's with us in each of those tables. So the first table is like a desk. It could be the place where you work. You might have a literal desk, or you might work outside. You might work at school and have multiple desks as you move around. But let's imagine that you've got a desk. He is Lord of that place. He's Lord of everywhere. And we should be people who are convinced and compelled there. And we should be prepared to represent him well there in word and deed. The second table is like a coffee table, but it kind of represents like a social space, like your leisure space. He's Lord of that place too. And maybe we can be a bit freer to talk about Jesus there than we can sometimes in our workplace, depending where you are, or our desk space, whatever that looks like for you. The third table is like a dining table. It's like your home space. He's Lord of there. And we should be people who are convinced and compelled there too. And, And the fourth table is like a communion table. And he's Lord of this space as we gather together when we share communion. He's Lord of all those places. But sometimes we we expect people with a good invitation to make a leap from table one where we've had a chat with them at the desk to table four and being with us in church where there might be a communion service. And sometimes that's too big a leap for people. So just sometimes, and we've seen this work in our church, with a bunch of people who are convinced and compelled, what's more likely is that they'll come with us from a desk conversation to our social space, maybe a coffee table, chat a bit more there, to our homes and and have a more open conversation there. And then they're more likely to find their way here. Or, Or your version of here, wherever your church place is. Maybe that's what it's like for you. Being people who are convinced and compelled. And it's not always easy... And it sometimes comes as a surprise to people. My leisure space isn't generally a coffee table, though I don't mind a coffee outside. My leisure space is often on a golf course. It's a tough calling, but if that's your calling, <laughs> that's what you have to do. And I've found that if I'm playing with somebody I've never met before, that it's typically about halfway round when they ask me what I do for a living. So I've been with them for like an hour and a half, two hours, and we've been playing, it's all gone well or not well, Two hours in, whole nine or ten, they say, so Ken, uh, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a minister of a, of a church down the road, or wherever it is, depending where we're playing. Their reaction is a bit like yours at that moment. Silence. <laughs> and I've learned over the years, I think, that what they're doing is they're replaying the last two hours in their heads. <laughs> and they're trying to work out, like, how were they? So they've, I've known them apologise for their language and 
all sorts of things I'm not really that worried about. But more importantly, they're trying to work out how I was in the light of this new knowledge that I'm a believer. How was I in the shop when we were made to wait? How was I when we should have been played through by the group in front, but we weren't? How was I when things went really well for me and really badly for them? How was I when things went really well for them and really badly for me? And the thing is this, they're not expecting perfect. They're just expecting a difference because we believe. And for me, that's only over two hours. But for all of us, being people who are convinced and compelled, it's over our whole lives. And they're not expecting perfect, there's a relief to that. But they're expecting a difference for you because of who you are in Jesus. Could we then be people who carry this message of we've looked at the evidence as best we can we have our reasons why when we're alone and when we're out there and it feels more scary we're still people who are convinced and compelled such that we're so convinced we have to be compelled to convey the message of Jesus in word and deed I hope and pray so because that's the only thing that will last and it will last better than the next good idea from the church when we continue in worship in, in just a while you might want to just respond to this in your own way you might want to not want to do either of the things I'm going to suggest but, but you, you might want to if, if, if you'd like to um, when you become president they offer you a banner so you go okay yeah, great thanks we'll have a banner so we had this banner and then we thought actually we'll get, we'll get churches if they want to to kind of sign it and say yeah okay we're going to spend a bit of time thinking about praying about where do we go from here so you know, we've been with Battle, but there's some other churches here as well. If you want to sign it, then you're joining a whole bunch of churches. We're praying there might be 300 churches who'd say, we're going to spend some time this year praying about this out of the 2,000 churches. That seems a good way to do that. If you want to sign it and it's already been signed by your church, then there's no register. There's no, it's not illegal. You can do that too if you want to. There's some Sharpie pens at the bottom. Um, this is the logo for where do we go from here. And it's kind of a more personal thing. Of, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to be somebody who's convinced and compelled. I, I, wanna, I want that to be how I represent Jesus. And so what people do is they take it like an ink blot and they take a thumbprint or fingerprint and they just mark that um, on, on the uh, somewhere, on the canvas somewhere. And then we extract your DNA and we don't... No, we don't. <laughs> they just do it as a kind of thing to just say, okay, this is me and I'm just, I just want to mark this, that this is... This is important for me and for nobody else. Nobody else will know who that is, but it's kind of our, your way of doing some prayerful business with Jesus. So as the, as the worship continues in our final little bit of time, do come up, band, if you, if you want to. You, you might want to do either of those things. There's, there's some wet wipes there, you know, to, to lose the ink um, if you want to. There's a choice of colours. I don't think that carries any special particular um, significance. But if you're able to, would you, would you stand with me as we pray? And then um, we'll continue in sung worship. And, uh, and we'll just see if, if you want to respond that way, if you want to bring a, a word or something as we're singing, or if you just want to be yourself, um, singing and joining the words and, and, and do business in your own private way with God. The phrase, the last phrase there, on our watch. You know, on our watch... The overall numbers, they're not going brilliantly, but they're not dropping off a cliff either. 
we have, we have a window of opportunity, I think, to, to pray, Lord, please. Please, Lord. Guide us as to where we grow from here. Small churches, medium-sized churches, big churches, it doesn't matter. Lord, we, we don't really care about numbers in one way, except for the numbers of souls. We want to grow ourselves. We want to grow in terms of Christ-likeness, we want to grow in fruit of the Spirit, we want to grow in knowledge of you, and we want to grow in terms of people finding you and committing to you. And we want to grow in terms of people who've walked away, walking back in. And so we think of family and friends there too. And we want to see the reality of that in their lives. So, Lord, if it's right for us to respond in some physical way, to just seal the deal on this, then let that be a prayerful thing rather than a kind of wild to do it thing. But use the space we now have in the remaining short amount of time to to do business with us as we do our stumbling best to communicate with you, Lord. And prompt us all on where we go from here. Amen.